Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today for episode 367. Got a great show for you today as we're going to be sitting down with my uh, my good friend, Mr. Jeff Goins. Now, uh, as many of you may know, I uh, had the privilege of writing a book with Jeff, The Successful Speaker, which uh, if you have not picked up your copy, make sure that you go do that. And we also have some podcast episodes talking about the, uh, the process of that, of working with basically a, a named ghostwriter. And uh, Jeff was phenomenal throughout the entire project, uh, but that's not what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Jeff is just a, a wealth of knowledge and industry experience, so I'm really glad to have him here today. Talk about finding your big idea. When it comes to breaking down the process and priorities of landing your big idea, Jeff is the man for the job. In this episode, we're going to talk about uh, demystifying the idea formula and unpack why commitment to your craft, understanding your category, and getting your idea in front of an audience matters most. Jeff is also going to talk to us about what it means to actually show up and why you should focus on making your idea more interesting, not necessarily better. He's also going to give you three crucial pieces of advice whenever it comes to landing your big idea. This is a great conversation. I always enjoy hanging out with Jeff. So uh, let's jump right into it. Here's my conversation with Jeff Goins. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm excited for today's conversation and episode today. We were talking with uh, my good buddy, uh, Mr. Jeff Goins, uh, who's been on the program numerous times and uh, good to have him back. Uh, welcome, sir. How are you? Remember when we did a, a webinar one time and somebody was like, you you talk really fast. You, you talk that to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, they said it in the comments about you. They're that like, sounds like something someone would say. He talk fast. <laughs> Slow down. Did that, was I already talking fast in the first few seconds? Oh, yeah. I, I want to do a poll of the audience. Let's do. Does Grant talk speedily? Is he a fast talker? Is speedily a word? For sure it is. It's an adverb. These are the type of things why I hired you uh, to <laughs> work on a book together. We did a book together. At this point, it's been like a year and a half ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, worked on it for, I don't know, a year and a half or so before that. So several years. Um, uh, so what, uh, talk to us, catch us up for a second here on that was the first ghostwriting project that you had done. You've yeah. done several since then. Are you continuing to do that? Kind of like, how's that fitting into your world right now? Yeah, that, that launched a whole new business for me. Um, and, and that was good. You know, we, um, you and I worked on this book, then we had a couple of mutual friends who came along. Um, you either referred them or I pitched them directly and then, and then word just started to get out. And, uh, by the time COVID hit, uh, we had about a dozen projects that we were working on and we was my assistant and me at the time. 
And now it's turned into a little boutique agency where we work with thought leaders on nonfiction books, book proposals, and editing projects. Um, it's it's going well. It's fun. It's a different kind of ball game. It has led me to focus most of my attention on on this area, whereas before I was selling courses and speaking and, and writing my own books. It's been an interesting season of trying on other people's voices and um, learning from other experts in ways that I, I didn't really anticipate. Like yeah. that's been really, it's been really fun. Like it was really fun. To, like it was fun to work on a book with you. I, I kind of already knew a little bit about speaking. I had done it. I, I was aware of the industry. I learned a lot through working on the project with you, but then we've worked on, you know, working with a doctor on a book. Uh, we're working with somebody who studies a lot of physics. And so I'm just learning about a lot of things that I don't know anything about. And that's been really interesting. Yeah. And I still, I know uh, whenever we first talked about doing the project together, it was just kind of like this, hey, here's an idea. What if we did this? And uh, I think it was kind of right place, right time for both of us. And it worked out really, really well. And I know it was a, uh, a great experience and I'd highly recommend it. You know, I think one of the things we were talking a little bit about beforehand is, is we, we both kind of knew our lane and knew where we brought value to the table and what our expertise was. And um, I think that that kind of segues into our, our conversation today, where you're really good at helping someone to identify uh, what that big idea is and help kind of pull that out and kind of extrapolate that. Because oftentimes for speakers, we are so close to our own content and our own, you know, IP, so to speak, that it's, it's, it's just difficult, to, difficult to kind of mine through and find the gold that exists there. And so what is it for you that makes you excited about like helping someone to find what their big idea is that they may not realize themselves? Well, I think we've been lied to when it comes to this whole topic of personal branding. So you and I, and many people listening to the show, I imagine, have been essentially indoctrinated with the idea that all you need to do to, to succeed online with a business is come up with a, like a personality, right? Like, like, Come up with you, Grant Baldwin, the speaker guy, right? Yeah. Come up with a brand, put a face on it. Personal brands tend to succeed faster than um, corporate brands, topical kind of brands. And, and then create a lot of content, build an audience, and then sell them some piece of, of information, an information product, often a course. And most people that we see try to do that, take that formula and fail. Because what they're missing that they often don't realize that I didn't realize uh, is a big idea. And speakers get into this problem too. They get into, they get into trouble here too, where they, same kind of thing. It's like, have a good website, um, go out and speak a lot, you know, and talk about a certain topic. And one of the things that I have always appreciated about you is just how committed you were to your craft, which, which might be an overstatement, right? Like you were in a job working at a church before you even got into speaking, speaking, yeah. just putting in a lot of hours. Right. And, and then you put in a lot of, a lot more hours after that. And I think that when it comes to speaking, writing, sharing a message with the world, we're, we're kind of given this formula, which is step one, two, three, four, without understanding that what really makes something amazing 
is that you are telling people something that as soon as you tell them it, they go, wow, I never thought about that that way before. And now I can't help but see the world differently. Um, whether you're teaching somebody something about wine or working out or repairing a car or whatever, you know, a big idea is, is something that is not obvious until you hear it. And then after you hear it, you can't forget it. You see it everywhere. Do you have some examples off the top of your head? Um, big ideas. Uh, well, first of all, I think that when you think about, um, uh, personal brands, like I was thinking about this, where you're talking, you said something like, Hey, let's just write it. Like we were just kind of like, Oh, let's write a book. It was sort of whimsical. Um, I really, I really want my career to be that. Like I want to keep just going, Oh, that sounds fun. I'm just going to try that, you know, yeah. versus the thing that we hear a lot in our space, which is you're the blank guy. You're the writer guy. You're the speaker guy. You're the whatever guy. Uh, I think we get known for, we, we, we get given an identity based on a big idea. So for example, my big idea was I wanted to be a writer and I didn't really have much experience. I early on starting my blog had a couple of conversations, one of which was with best-selling author, Stephen Pressfield, author of The War of Art. And I asked him when a writer gets to call himself a writer. And he said, you are when you say you are. Screw what everybody else says you are when you say you are. And I was like, oh, that's it. I just have to call myself a writer. That became a thing. I wrote a whole book about that called You Are a Writer. So start acting like one. And that to date has been my best selling book. It's reached the most amount of people. And and it was in a way a manifesto for everything that came after. But really, it was just an idea which is what if you didn't have to wait for permission to be this thing that you already are? And once you assumed that identity, you could go out and do it. Some other examples would be, you know, I think, especially in the speaker space, I think Simon Sinek is a great example of somebody who got known for one big idea and built a career around it, uh, which is obviously, you know, start with why. Mm-hmm. And what I think is fascinating about him is at first glance, you're like, oh, guy like did a TEDx talk in Washington, I think it was. But there's all of these tens of thousands of hours of working as a consultant and and doing all the stuff behind the scenes. Like he's got some pretty good chops, especially as a speaker, but also as as a thinker. Um, But that's an idea. That's a big idea. And a big idea, the, the essence of a big idea is everybody thinks X, but what's actually true is Y. Um, I often use the example of Jesus. I mean, you, you want to start the world's biggest religion, do this, pick a fight with the status quo. What did Jesus say over and over and over again? You have heard this. Now I tell you this, mm. right? Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, uh, Mother Teresa, Rosa Parks. These are people who basically said, here's the status quo. Here are the things that, that we think are true. And what makes a big idea is taking something that seems obvious to everybody and turning it on its head. So going back to Simon Sinek, everybody thinks that in order to succeed at business, um, you've, you've got to be really good at what you do, right? You want to be really good at what you do. And Simon Sinek goes, no, you have to be really good at why you do what you do, which most people don't think about. They have the, they have the what, maybe the how, but rarely do they get to the why. So 
That was the big idea. Uh, you know, Jesus was like, you've heard eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And now I tell you, forgive your enemies. These were radically different ideas. Martin Luther King Jr. and the, the civil rights movement was essentially turning the other cheek, but doing it in this uh, nonviolent resistant way. It wasn't just acquiescing, it was just going along with it. There were sit-ins, there's you know, Rosa Parks getting on the bus. These are radical ideas because they're taking something that an audience has heard before, and then they're, they're challenging at least one of the core assumptions that your audience will have. You want to be a thought leader. You want to get booked to speak at X, Y, or Z. You've got to pay attention to the major industries that you talk about in the successful speaker. You've got to know what, the, what demand is out there. But if you want to stand out from everybody else, you've got to have some big idea. You've got to have something unique that I think goes beyond he's funny, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so think about that. What are most of the people in my space saying that I'm going to challenge? So whether you speak on creativity or leadership or, um, I don't know, finance or health or whatever, um, what are most of your peers saying and how can you challenge not everything that they're saying? Because that's what a crackpot is, right? Like a crackpot is somebody who goes, oh, yeah, like they're wearing tinfoil hats and they're like, it's all a conspiracy. It's like, a, you remember that, that movie with Mel Gibson where like he's a, he's a taxi driver. He's like a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I think it's called like conspiracy theory or something. I don't remember. And, oh, it's a great movie. And it turns out every single conspiracy theory he has is true. But he's like legitimately crazy. Um, so don't be that guy. I, I think of it like this. I, I think I, I heard this from Don Miller at Story Brand. He said, uh, same but different, right? Which is yeah. kind of a, a branding um, tool. And when you want to come up with a big idea, it's 80% same, 20% different. It's not like totally different. Yeah. It's just different enough that you can stand out. Right. And to that point, like, I, you know, you hear that expression of that phrase and it's, it's, also in the Bible that like, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, yeah, right. everything that, that every big idea is already out there in some form or another. And we've all, you know, heard a variety of things, which is also can create some intimidation of like, well, what do I bring to the table then? You know, yeah. if there, if it's already out there in some form or another, you know, like in my context, like I teach people how to find and book gigs, but like, I'm not the first person to do that. And there's plenty of other people before me and since me and beyond me that will teach that. And so what, how do you kind of figure out, I guess, ultimately, like what, what is, what qualifies as same, but different? Yeah. I mean, you've got to know your industry. Like you've got to start with your category, right? So you're a speaker who's talking about speaking, uh, but you're doing it with a podcast in an online marketing space. Um, and there's like not a bajillion people doing that, right? In my mind, there's like you and Michael Port and maybe a handful of other people that, I would go, oh yeah, that person kind of does that too. And Michael is very focused on the craft, makes sense. Former actor, really sure. cares about the art side of speaking. You're really focused on getting gigs on, on more of the business side of it. Makes sense. You know, you said once, um, I was like an, I was always an entrepreneur. You were like an entrepreneur who learned how to speak or something. I can't remember yeah. what you said. An entrepreneur, yeah. Yeah, like a, uh, some, some people are speakers who end up building businesses. You were a business guy who ended up speaking. And that makes sense to me, you know, seeing what you've done since then. Um, so I think you've got to know your space. You've got to know what the competition is. And you have to be a really good student. I think a lot of people try to be different before they learn how to first be the same. You have to, you know what it's like to do a craft for 10 years and 
do a lot of gigs and there's a lot of copying that goes yeah. into that. Like, oh, this guy did that. Oh, I'm going to do that. Or like, uh, I remember learning this from Ken Davis as a speaker. He's like, he, he it was just a business thing. He, he told the story about the day where it was like, I don't know, like five grand a, a talk. And that included travel. And then one day he just decided, what if I just say it's five grand plus travel, you know? And it's like a minimum $1,500 to fly first class and whatever. And nobody batted an eye. And I was like, oh, I'm going to steal that. You know, it's just like, like so right. you, you have to get really good at copying other people, yeah. uh, stealing like an, an artist in the words of, of Austin Kleon. I love, you know, nothing is new under the sun. There's a historian named Will Durant who says, nothing is new except arrangement. And so study your space, learn your your craft, your category, see what people like you are doing and then go, oh, she's doing that and he's doing this and this person's over here and I read this book about that. And what if my job wasn't to do something original? It was just to take all of these good ideas and arrange them in a new way. Yeah. yeah. And I, th I think a lot of, so you want to have a really great personal brand, which if you're going to be a speaker, often that's going to, those are going to go together. You need a good personal brand. It's often just you uh, and, and be a successful speaker. Think of all of the things that other people are doing that you admire, that you like, that resonates with you, and consider what it would look like to just combine those in a new and interesting way where you add a little bit of your own personality, which is, it's impossible not to do that. It's impossible not to remix a bunch of other people's sample material, so to speak, and share it with the world without putting your spin on it, without giving it your own little umph. And so you do that, you're doing work that people call, oh, that's original. That's really unique. And all you're doing is, is remixing other people's work. And that's fine. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea, or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start. Let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. When you've been speaking or writing or doing the craft for a period of time, I think it's a very iterative process of like, you're starting to, you kind of figure out of like, oh, this works, this doesn't. And you, you know, I'm going to cut this, I'm going to add this, that work. And you're just like, okay, I'm kind of like th through time kind of figuring out what that big idea may look like. But when you're getting started and that's the case with, uh, you know, every speaker starts from zero, every speaker has none gigs and then they do their, their first gig. And you're going like, I want from the beginning, any gig that I do, I want to have a, a big idea to it. So how do you figure out what that big idea is for you when you're going like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the big idea, but I'm also just trying to figure out what step one is. 
I'm curious what your thoughts are on this because you obviously have a lot more experience than I do with working specifically with speakers to tease out a big idea. But what I would say is um, don't get married to your first big idea. Yeah. Right? Like I imagine, I know you did a number of talks over the years and there were a few that stuck and you're like, oh, I'll keep doing that one. Like there was one about like just ownership, right? Like teaching young people to just take ownership of their lives. Simple idea. Um, so first of all, don't assume that, you know, what the big idea is. This is why I think it's really important to not like, go. I'm going to be the such and such guy. Like we all know people who are trying too hard. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they've got the baseball cap with the name of their website on it. You know, like they're wearing the t-shirt with their own, like they're like, okay. You know, and like, slow down, buddy. You know, <laughs> you are your biggest fan right now. And, and I think that's great. Um, but make sure you're doing that after everybody else has gone. Yeah, this is a good idea. Otherwise, like you said, it's iterative. So throw a bunch of things against the wall, not all at once, one at a time, and listen to how people respond. And what may happen, this happened with me, um, is somebody will tell you one thing from a talk that landed with them. And that's the big idea. So for example, one of my first speaking gigs, and I was a writer talking about creativity and the writing process while I was trying to make it as a writer. And so all I'm doing is like trying to make money as a writer. And then while I'm doing this, I'm building an audience. People are starting to pay attention. I start getting invited to blogging conferences and I'm simply sharing what I'm doing, which is what a lot of those spaces do. Blogging conferences, podcasting conferences, video blogging conferences. Um, and I did a talk early on. And it's so funny now, because when I look back on it, I was like, I know some things. I've got like 10,000 email subscribers, which is a lot, you know? Yeah. But I did that in like six months. And so I'm six months into my blog. <laughs> I barely have started making money. And I'm like telling people how to do this professionally. And uh, I did a talk where I shared like these three different keys to, it was called like how to fall back in love with writing. Like it was just about doing it for the love of it. And like maybe the first step, you know, out of my three-step process was call yourself a writer. And I made everybody in the audience write on a sheet of paper, I am a writer, like declare to yourself. Cause this was such a big part of my journey of realizing maybe I can just own it now. Like I could just start calling myself it and, and doing it. That was such a big idea that, um, I was actually speaking at a conference in in like a hotel lobby here in Nashville or at a hotel ballroom in Nashville. And the cell service was so bad. I I did the thing that like Seth Godin tells you not to do. And maybe other people tell you not to do this. Like I immediately left the room. This is a social media conference. And I like checked my tweets to see how many people replied and nobody had responded. And I was just like devastated. But the truth was the cell service was so bad that it wasn't, picking up and there's this delay. And then I like got back to my room an hour later and I had like a hundred tweets where people had tagged me saying, I'm a writer, I'm a writer. Jeff Coyne says, I'm a writer. Like it, it, it blew up, you know, from my perspective. And I had a friend tell me that should be the, the name of your first book. You are mm-hmm. a writer. And, and it became that and actually became a big idea that I've gone back to again and again. I, it was my first book. And in my fifth book, I told that same story and real artists don't starve. And I've used this line over and over and over again. Um, I've probably shared it with you at some point, which is you don't fake it till you make it. You believe it till you become it. 
Now that was not, I didn't like sit and go, oh, I gotta have a big idea. What's the big idea? I started telling stories. I started sharing things that I was learning and the audience started telling me what was resonating. And as they told me, I, I refined it and made it better and better and better and took one idea from uh, a talk about a lot of things. And I, I said, that's my idea, right? Start with why is not the only idea Simon right. Sinek had. It probably wasn't, maybe it was the idea, you know, because it became a TED talk. But my guess is it was his best idea at the time that he had tested and he put it out there. It resonated with people. And so he kept running with it. So again, the framework, if you will, is everybody thinks X, but what's actually true is Y. Start there, start in a category, start in a space, figure out what most people are saying. How can you say something different? And then still like follow the rules, like tell some jokes, tell some stories, like do what people are expecting, but then do something slightly different, right? Dave Chappelle is doing this right now with his career. Stand up, funny, crass guy, uh, disappears for 12 years, basically comes yeah. back, but his standup is very different now. He just is like a, like a political commentator. Now he right. just kind of gets, he's, he's a speaker now. I mean, he's delivering keynotes uh, and it's fascinating to watch. Now he's got the cloud of being Dave Chappelle and, and uh, nothing to lose basically. But he came back onto the scene very aggressively and very intentionally. And over the past two years has completely reinvented himself even more so than he did the previous few years. But what is he doing that's different? I mean, he's a stand-up comedian. He knows that because he's been doing it for 30 plus years since he was like 13 years old. He's still funny. He's still telling stories. He's still dropping F-bombs. He's still doing a lot of things that he did before, but there's a depth and a seriousness to it now. Yeah. Um, that wasn't there before. That's the same, but different. Yeah. Now you might have to put in a lot of time to even get the chance to do that. But from the get go, you've got to have something that's uniquely yours. And again, I think it's, it's filling in the blanks. Everybody thinks this, but what's actually true is this. And you, you play with it until you find something that lands and you keep working with that. I don't want to go back to even, you know, you mentioned like that one particular talk that you had given and uh, and it immediately clicks and resonates with everyone that, ah, yes, I am a writer or like, yes. you know, Simon Sinek is going like, I'm going to, you know, this is probably a presentation he's given numerous times. I'm going to do this as a small TEDx thing, not thinking like, this is my moment. This is where it's all going to come together and break out. I'm going to draw some doodles yeah. on a, on a paper, right. uh, draw a couple circles, and then it's all going to work out. And so sometimes like you're playing with an idea that like, I think there's something there, but like, That's you right. just, you don't know until you get some of that outside validation. And so yeah. how do you kind of balance the, the, isolation bubble of like, I'm toying with this, wrestling with this, working on this, you know, wordsmithing this, workshopping this idea versus like, I may think it's a great idea, but if it doesn't actually stick or spread, I've really got nothing. And so how do you kind of balance when you think you've got something versus what the audience, the world society is telling you whether or not you have something? Going back to the Simon Sinek thing, it's, if you've not watched that video in a while, go back and watch that video because it is like, terrible like it's terrible video i mean this is there's only a few people in the room it looks really really small it's like it, it's at like i don't know puget sounder yep. i don't know where yep. it's like it's some you know suburb something yeah, yeah it's it's Washington it's not a marquee State. tedx gig no it's not it's it's well it was like the first generation of tedx talks yeah um and he didn't call it start with why 
it's like the the exercise is called like the I call it the golden golden circle, circle. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like I have not heard that since you know the last time <laughs> I watched. that didn't take off. I mean, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't what it became, right? Um, there was one aspect of that talk that just blew up, which is the why thing, and that and he's got a whole you know go to his website. There's a whole assessment. Find your why. Start with why. You know why 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 why. Um, so. I really think it comes down to practicing in public. I will, uh, my background is essentially as a musician and performer, right? My unfair advantage, and we all have one, um, and we don't typically know what it is because it's obvious to us. Like Derek Siver says, obvious to you, amazing to others. Um, but it was, you know, that I'd been acting in plays and playing in bands since I was a kid. Yeah. So it was actually wasn't that hard to get up in front of people, uh, make something in my bedroom, you know, play a song, write a poem, write a speech, whatever, play with an idea for a while and then come out and share it with people. Um, but I always trust somebody who knows how to practice in public more than somebody who has a great idea they've, that they've spent five or 10 years developing because my whole life and career, with the exception of writing books, um, has really been about making stuff and putting it in front of people and watching it live or die. Blogging was that for me. That's why I liked it so much because I could write a blog post and I would write a daily, I wrote a daily blog post for two years straight on coinswriter.com. And most of the ideas didn't land, you know, yeah. but and I didn't know. Sometimes I would like write something, oh, this has got to be a good one. And it wasn't. And sometimes I just throw something together a few minutes before seven o'clock before I kind of started my, my job. At seven o'clock in the morning, you know, and um, and it would take off. And so I think you've got to find a way to practice in public, but do it in, in low risk ways. If you've got an idea that you don't know if it's going to work or not, you know, do what, do what all the great comedians do, do what Chris Rock does, where when he's testing new material, he shows up at an open mic night unannounced not getting paid for the gig. And, and there's a whole, in the world of comedy clubs, you may know this, th there's a whole hierarchy. A and if, if you're Chris Rock or Will Ferrell or whoever, um, there's a pecking order, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're there, if Chris Rock is there, but Brian Regan is also there and they both want to go on, it's understood who gets to go on before whoever. But if you're Chris Rock, you're pretty high up on the pecking order. And, and he does this, Seinfeld does this a lot. A lot. Most of the comedians do this because they know that their art, even after spending dozens, maybe hundreds of hours by themselves working through the material, it's not real until you get it in front of an audience. And I think it's kind of a dance. As you know, um, there's some stuff that kills with one audience and does it with another, yep. often, often the jokes. Yep. And, and so it's not... It's not about just doing what people like, because then you're like constantly chasing this thing that you can never quite catch. It's about getting really clear on what you believe is true or good or funny or entertaining or whatever. And then it's just doing a lot of reps, understanding that there will be duds, that sometimes it'll just be a bad audience. Yeah. But every single rep, every single show, every single talk is an opportunity to get feedback on something. And you don't have to, I mean, it's great to do it in front of a live audience, obviously, as the world is just starting to open up, um, that may be challenging for a lot of people listening to the show. Um, but you can do that with a podcast, you can do that with a YouTube 
show. Uh, you can do that with Zoom live events. I mean, these are not perfect simulations of live events, but you're still getting feedback on your ideas, right? right. I, I will, before I write a blog post or, or put something in a book, I'll just like throw out an idea on social media. I'll test it. And if it doesn't land, I won't immediately discard it, but it's now suspicious to me. Yeah. And maybe I'll try it a little bit. Like if I feel really like, oh, this is a really good idea. I'm going to, I'm going to, mess with it a little bit more and put it out there in a different context. But if it just doesn't land, you know, like if I tried three times and it just isn't working, I go, okay, like it's, it's, it's no or not now. And, and there's some other idea that I'm going to work with. The other thing that I would say is once you find a pretty good idea, there's a bunch of other little ideas that, that come from that core idea. Start with why is a great example of that. My example of like, you are a writer, so start acting like one. Well, there was, there was something deeply true about that that had nothing to do with writing, which is that everybody suffers from imposter syndrome and we're all wondering if we have what it takes. And so I started to work with this idea, which is that activity follows identity, that before you can go do something, you have to become someone, that the who precedes the what or even the how. Um, and, and that was another idea. And, and so every time you find something that connects, understand that there's, there's a whole like family tree of ideas that of derivative ideas that come from that core idea. And that, that first hit might actually be a derivative of something above it, right? Something deeper or broader or more expansive than, than the first, the first time you said it, like, here's my golden circle idea. Oh, right. oh, start with why that that's how, it, that's what I should say from now on. Yeah. Uh, let me, let's wrap up with this. Um, when you are searching for that big idea and again, you're kind of like, yes, I'm close on this, but I'm not quite there. I've tried this and this and this, I would love for it to be that it's not connecting. It's not resonating. One of the things that you talked about, and I totally agree with is, uh, is you just keep showing up and, and it's, it's, it can be easy to be discouraged on that over time of going like, Hey man, I am showing up. I'm showing up. I'm showing up. I'm showing up. And I still don't feel like uh, I don't feel like my moment has arrived. I don't feel like my big idea has landed. Uh, what would you say to that speaker? Who's going like, how do I just keep my head in the game, not be discouraged and continue to show up over a long period of time? Um, all big ideas are really just pretty good ideas and process. So, um, I don't, I don't feel like I've arrived at the idea that defines my career. I feel grateful for the opportunity to play with ideas. Um, Showing up is not just going to gigs and giving your talk. I think showing up is learning how to be present to your life because your life uh, is speaking to you in, in the words of uh, uh, Frederick Buechner. Um, you know, listen to your life. It is telling you something. And that, that can sound sort of esoteric or even pseudo-spiritual, but really that just means pay attention. Yeah. Right? When, when I'm doing this interview and I'm talking in a way, I've never answered these questions in this order this way ever before. Like I've done variations of it, but this is a completely unique experience. So if I'm being present, showing up for myself, I'm listening to things that I'm saying. I'm paying attention when you're leading in. I'm listening to you when you text me later on and go, hey, when you said this, that was really cool. Instead of assuming that I know what the big idea is or the answer is, showing up is just paying attention to every part of your life. If you're a professional communicator, you're communicating all the time, right? When, uh, when you and I go out to lunch or I hang go for a walk with John Acuff, like 
I'm getting the material, you know, you can't yeah. turn it off. I'm hearing the jokes and it's not a performance, but like you're working on stuff. You're always working on something and it just comes out. So in the same way that world-class performers are doing that, you can do that too, right? You can uh, not say, Hey, I want to tell you about my, about my big idea, but just share things and pay attention to how people respond. So first of all, that's what showing up actually means is you are showing up for yourself, paying attention to the things that are resonating and not resonating and being careful to not assume that you know what the thing is. Second, a big idea is not lightning striking. It is science. It is formulaic. You have heard this. Now I tell you this. Everybody thinks this, but what's actually true is this. Uh, if you want to get geeky about it, the sociology and psychology behind it uh, comes from a guy named Murray S. Davis, who wrote a paper called That's Interesting. And the essence of it is we do not follow leaders because their ideas are good. We follow leaders because their ideas are interesting. He defines interesting as any idea that challenges your audience's assumptions. So all you actually have to do to be interesting, we call it a big idea, but it's just about being interesting is challenge an assumption. Look at the books of Malcolm Gladwell. Look at what Simon Sinek is doing. Look at what, what any comedian is doing. A joke is a delightful surprise. Mm -hmm. it's, you think this thing is going to happen and this thing happens. Oh, I thought he was going to go here and then he went here. And that's, it's, it's funny because it's, it's like a delightful surprise. Um, so don't beat yourself up. A good enough idea is good enough to keep you going. Find ways to take what would otherwise be an average idea. Don't make it better. Make it more interesting. Find somebody who would disagree with you and just challenge it. Let, let them disagree with you. Disagree with the, the most successful, famous person in your space. You want to immediately get notoriety in a, in a category, in an industry. Find the person who's the top dog and say they're wrong and you will get some attention. I, I mean, like, I would hope you would believe it, but like, that's all you actually have to do. That's what politics is. It's like, yeah. oh, those guys are wrong. No, those guys are wrong. And it's just like, Every presidential election, every four to eight years, you know, depending on how long they can stick in there, is basically vacillating from one side of the aisle to the other. And it's always with this like, no, 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 they're wrong. They're wrong. And it works because the human mind is actually fairly simple in the sense that we, we gravitate towards novelty, something that feels new. But as soon as you hear it, you can understand it. An interesting idea is something that sounds new, but is actually very old, 80% same, 20% different. It's actually not that hard. You don't have to be the, the smartest person, the world's best communicator. You've just got to take what would otherwise be good and true ideas and make them interesting by adding a little bit of edge to it. Very good. Jeff, I always enjoy chatting with you. Uh, you are a, a good close friend and we've, uh, we've shared some life uh, together. So I appreciate you uh, taking a minute to chat with us. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? It's my pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Um, so if you feel like you have a big idea, because I understand like it's, it's, you don't know, right? Like, oh, I think I do, but maybe I don't. Um, feel free to email me. That is the best way to contact me and find out what I'm doing is just jeff at goinswriter.com. Um, I love hearing people's ideas about speeches, books, ideas. I love ideas and you should be able to communicate your idea to me, not in eight paragraphs, but in a sentence. So try it. Everybody thinks X, but what's actually true is Y. Fill in your X and your Y. Send me a sentence or two or three, and I'd love to hear from you. Jeff at goinswriter.com. Email him. 
harass him, tell him how much you love him and uh, how much you appreciate his work and him taking time here. You, you had something you're going to say? Well, you know, it's a brave thing to be willing to share your ideas. Yeah. And, and so if somebody's willing to do that, I'm, I'm willing to pay attention and, and listen and respond. Well, and I've, I, uh, I know you know this, but you know, you, um, even as I was getting started, like you were super influential to me. Uh, and I remember first time we met, you were influential in us moving to Nashville. We've lived here oh, six and a half years at this point. Uh, and you were one of the ones that helped me to think like, oh yeah, we could, we could totally do this. And even, um, just having confidence as like, we started this, you know, we knew each other before we started the speaker lab. And so, uh, you gave me a lot of, of confidence and belief around that. So, uh, I am uh, incredibly, incredibly grateful for your friendship and who you are and uh, appreciate all you do. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.